Let's start with uh, your story, wh- brother. What's up, guys? My name's Andy. Uh, I guess the first thing would be how, how did I end up in roofing? Um, I grew up in a roofing family. My dad's a roofer. He's got a roofing company in Philadelphia, and he never wanted me to be a roofer. He thought he thought there was better things for my future. He thought I could go to college, become I, I don't know what he wanted me to do, but he didn't want me to be a roofer. Uh, he thought it was a hard life, and he felt like he always wanted me to do better. The only reason I started my business was because I felt like the companies that I was working for, I felt like I could do a better job, um, and I didn't want a boss. I didn't have big dreams of growing a business. I just didn't want a boss anymore, and I felt like I could do better than the companies I was working for. Um, I learned really quick that owning a business is a lot harder than I thought, uh, and I was naive, and I didn't give the business owners I had worked for the respect they deserved for owning a business. I started slow. Uh, I still did all the work myself. I was kind of just like a trades guy. Uh, I would hire helpers to help me on roofs. I'd sell my own jobs. I'd do my own roofs. Um, And just like little by slowly, it started to pick up. I just, it got better and better. And I started bringing more people in. And then I read a book called The E-Myth, which is all about, you know, just being a, basically being a trades guy and owning a business is not who you want to be. You want to be a business owner. But a lot of people get stuck as he calls it the technician. Uh, so I read that book and that kind of changed the way I thought about my whole business. And it just, I just became focused on growing my business from then on out. We've doubled every year since I started, which, you know, it, it, it kind of surprises me a little bit every year. And the goal is to double again next year. Uh, so we'll do like 11 million this year. When did, mar- uh, when did marketing change for you? Like how did you generate business all this year? So your dad is a roofer and what do your dad thinks? This is an interesting dynamic because we have old school versus new school. So your dad is old school roofer. What's the biggest uh, number your dad did per year in his market? They did 12 million before 08. Uh, so that was like at their peak. A lot of new construction though. Um, not a lot of in-house so rela- relationships, not, not your marketing, not your advertising, not your typical sales, just a couple of relationships with the builders probably. Right. Correct. Correct. And he subcontracts everything. So no in-house guys. Uh, yeah, just knows a bunch of builders that feed him work, which my business is completely different than him. We do. I mean, I probably do maybe 5% of our work is from contractors. The other 95% from homeowners or property managers. Um, my overhead makes him sick. And like the, the advice he would give me, you know, the whole time coming up is like to stay lean, keep my overhead small. Which not is too a many good, good advice. Good advice. <laughs> it's good advice, but I, I took on the liability of taking on employees. And like, I took that serious. Like I treat my employees life and well being like a very serious. So I feel like it's my responsibility to continue to grow the business so that my employees can grow in their lives, they can make more money, and they can move up within my company. And if my business stays the same size it is now, how can I move people up? You know, everybody would just be in the same spot year after year, and I don't... With the team I have, we're, we're like a young team. Everyone, everyone has big dreams of what we can do together, so I feel like it's my responsibility to just keep growing the business because uh, I don't want anyone to feel like they're stagnant. How much are you spending on marketing? I uh, like three percent. Three percent. It's not it's, of top line. Yeah, like so, so fluctuates 11, between three and three and a half percent. So on eleven million, you're going to spend three four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, for sure. Any door knocking? No door knocking. Love no. That. Why? Why don't you door knock? We don't do that much insurance work. 
we're familiar with the process and we know how to do it. Um, but we tell people to file claims if we're on the roof and there's clear damage, but we're not out seeking to file claims. Mm -hmm. You know, if you call us out to do a repair and we find damage, we'll tell you to file a claim. Uh, but it's just never been part of my business. You know, we're, we're pretty much a hundred percent inbound leads. And you also do a lot of metal. Uh, what's the ratio right now between metal and everything else? Like how much metal we do? Yeah. We're like 70%. Is it advertising or you have, is it a request advertising that you put out or is it demand from people? Two years ago, it was us educating homeowners on metals, the better option. Now it's request. Now people are calling saying they want a metal roof. So metals exploding in our area. So we don't have to sell it to anybody anymore. Everybody just knows they want it because wow. the, the insurance companies are only covering shingles for 15 years now. So if you have a shingle roof and it's 15 years old, you're going to get a letter from your insurance saying it's time for a new roof. If you have a metal roof, they'll stay off your back for a lot longer. And just the, the hurricane proofing, uh, just metals where everyone's going. Got it. I'm going to go to questions and uh, let's start. I'm going to start firing them up. Andy, thanks for being humble to share your story and let us hear about your progress success. Nice work. You created your own metal market. <laughs> awesome. Would you would you agree with that, that you created your metal market, or is it just demand in general prices and what happened with it? I wouldn't say that we created our own market. We were definitely early, and we're definitely like the experts in metal in our area. It's us and one other company. Um, but if you call the metal supplier who supplies all the roofers with metal in our area, they'll give you our number for a referral. So if, if homeowners find them before they find a roofer, and ask them, hey, who's good? They'll send us their way. Uh, Kendall is asking, where does majority of marketing spend go? PPC or social? Something. Believe it or not, I spend the most on mailers, mailers. On, on magazine mailers. That's my, my highest monthly spend. They work. Uh, I don't know if it's because we're like a retirement community in Florida, but they work. That's exactly that's what most, it is. That's my most predictable uh form of advertising like i know it's going to get me a certain amount of calls for a certain amount spent uh, so on the one magazine in particular we spend 10 grand every two weeks just on that one magazine well uh you advertise in metal there or what's your message uh what yeah kind of ads metal always metal roofs there's okay. a there's a few like we send them all over the place but i like it because you can we can pick specific neighborhoods mm -hmm. so we can target the higher end neighborhoods and and they work. We do the front cover of the magazine and they always get us calls and they have call tracking. So I can, I can monitor who called from there. I can listen to the calls. I think last month we got 88 calls from that magazine. Wow. And what's your conversion mm -hmm. rate on that? That one we're like 22%. 22%. So you got mm -hmm. uh, like 18 jobs, 15 jobs, something like that. Yeah. So Which that's our, that's kind of like our average. I know some people might think that's low. Uh, we're at the higher end of the market though. So for a lot of the people, mm -hmm. we're just priced too high. What do you do to you? Uh, what, what do you do to use for call tracking? On the magazines? Yes. Uh, it's set up through them. They use a separate phone number. That's through some service that they have. And we get an email every time a call comes in with a call recording. And then they send us weekly reports of all the calls and when they came in and their name and all that stuff. Uh, Michael is asking, what's the hook on the print? What's the message? What's the call to action? We've played around with a bunch. Um, we, we've been doing the half price gutters with any roof replacement. Uh, we've been running that one a lot. That one seems to do well. 
we mark up our gutters pretty high. I sub my gutters out and we mark them up pretty high so we can kind of offer half price uh, to get a new roof. Two people are asking, how long have you been in business? This is the end of my fifth year. Fifth year. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest year? This is just me asking. The hardest year and the easiest year so far in the five years. That's such a good question. Because <laughs> they're all hard for different ways. Probably the first year was the hardest. Uh, just like nonstop work seven days a week from the minute I woke up to the minute I went to bed. I wasn't making money. Uh, mistakes were happening left and right. A lot of headaches. I was like a nervous wreck all the time. Inexperienced, flustered, <laughs> overwhelmed. Uh, so probably year one. Uh, and then easiest, I would say it's the easiest now. Uh, I just have, I have more leverage. I have more employees, less falls on my shoulders. Um, just it's, it's become more about my employees performance than my own personal performance. So like my own personal performance is getting my employees to perform well. Uh, whereas before, like, you know, I had all these jobs to do. I had all these tasks. It all kind of fell on me. Uh, so now that it doesn't all fall on me, I would say it's probably the easiest now. Uh, what kind of things do you do to build a team culture? Great question. Because I, I'm going to start with this. So I, I've been in this company twice. And uh, Jim, probably a big thing. Like one thing I noticed there that they don't take themselves seriously. Like they like to joke around, uh, play around. I mean, Jim, for me personally, that <laughs> builds culture to certain culture. See also bikes, you know, pretty much. It's not all about work. It's about mm -hmm. everything else. But you answer that. Yeah. I, if there's one thing I did right, it's it's my employees the, the whole time. I, I've never had an employee quit. So as I've added people, they're just they're all still with me. I've never had one person leave me. And I we're definitely younger. Our oldest employee is like 34. Hmm. Uh, so we're all like you know mid mid 20s to early 30s. Uh, so I think because we're all around the same age, we're all hard workers, but we like have fun. We joke around all day. There's a lot of laughs uh, and I, everyone just actually likes coming to work. But I don't, there's not, there's not too much I do. I just think it's the personalities we put together. We all work hard, but we like, we laugh, we get along uh, and we all believe in what we're doing. So when we, when you double your business every year and obviously your employees see that uh, and they, they want to be a part of it, you know, because you not many businesses do that can double every year. So like if you were to leave, where would you go? And then like, you know, you'd look at us three years from now and you'd be like, wow, I was with them. I could have stayed. So I feel like we're all just invested in the future and we all feel like we all feel like this guy's the limit. Uh, Andre is asking, who was your first employee? Uh, other than roofers, I'm sure. Well, just first, it was me. first employee you hired. Uh, well, roofers. So I was by myself. I did repairs early on. That's how I started. I was just my, I ran around in a work van and did repairs. I'd sell a roof here and there and I would sub it out. Um, but then I, I hired an in-house crew was my first employees of, of five and I used to roof with them. So they were the first employees. What about the office and then after, employees? After that, I hired an office girl. She worked in my living room at the time, which is kind of crazy looking back. Uh, and she's still with me today. Uh, but she was the first, just like an all-around office person. And I was sick to my stomach when I hired her. I never thought I'd be able to afford it. And then two weeks in, I'm like, I should have hired her six months ago. Oh. And then that kind of started, that, that's the kind of the attitude I have now. I've, I've, never, I've never invested in my business and then regretted it. 
whether it's equipment, the office, employees, I've it, never one time have I invested in my business and regretted it. So now I just kind of have that attitude moving forward. You know, it's the same thing with the social media content girl. Like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. I wasn't sure if it was worth spending the money on her. And now that we've had her for like four months, it's it was a no-brainer. What was your first CRM and you, do you still use that CRM? Job Nimbus and yeah, I still use it. No. I learned a lot from you, man. You can learn anything on YouTube. I tell everybody that. I was just a roofer. I didn't know anything about business, you know? So like the roofing specific stuff, I got a lot of it from you, you know? Like, and then you get hooked up into that network. Like I, I work with Joseph Hughes too, uh, Sumo Quote Company Cam, like all this stuff. You just find out online how to do it and, and do it. Exactly. You know? It's all there. If you guys, I always say there's nothing you can teach, but everything you can learn. You know, that's why, you know, two people will go to college, same information. One will learn the, you know, Spanish, for example. Another one will not because you cannot teach someone's language. You have to want to know, uh, to learn that language in order to be successful. Same with the business. Another good question here. Does your sales team work remote or do you have expectations of them to be in the office for certain parts of the week? All my salespeople come to the office between seven and eight. And like work full time as office employees. Really, like they all, they all show up every morning. What do they do? Yeah, and I and I never t I never even set that standard. It's just like that's how it's been. And like when new people start, it's just that's just it's like how them. they get brought up. Like I know I bring salespeople on a lot differently than than other guys. So like the last one, for example, Rick. He's the he's the one doing the the hip thrusters in the follow up video. Uh. I decided I need a salesperson. I started looking for one. He worked in a he worked selling shoes at the mall at Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, but I felt like he I felt like he would be good at it. He knew nothing about roofing. I paid him a thousand dollars a week for two months while we trained him and just let him shadow us. Uh, and then I started to give him appointments like one a day, you know, just to get him out there while still paying him the guaranteed salary. And then I leave it up to him when he wants to switch to commission. So he'll he'll tell me. Uh, so he does like one or two appointments a day. Now he's just getting going. He's starting to build a pipeline. He's got people to follow up with, but he's still not on commission. I'm still just giving him the guaranteed check. And then when he's ready, he can tell me and that's when we'll switch over. But that seemed to work really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he was able to learn and train and, you know, was making money, wasn't stressed out about it. And even now where he's new to running his own appointments, it's not like the end of the world if he doesn't sell any, cause he's still getting the, the guaranteed pay. I just believe he'll be good at it. So like I, it makes sense for me to invest in him. Uh, but I know a lot of roofers aren't like that. You know, it's, it's hundred percent commission from day one. If you don't sell a roof, you're done. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. Sure. Justin has two questions. One, uh, you still use uh, cruise in-house cruise installers? We're a mix now. I have two in-house crews that work for me every day. They're big crews though. The one's 12 man crew. The other one's 14. So they're uh, employees? But then I have, yeah, and then I have uh, subs that I use outside of that for installing different types of roof and to help me out when we're busy. Okay, Justin is also asking, how much financing do you do? Who do you use? Probably 10% of the jobs are financing. Uh, there's a there's like a Florida program called PACE. I don't know if anyone's yeah, yeah, ever I've heard, heard of about it. it yeah. Yeah, it's like they tie it to your home equity. Mm -hmm. That's the most commonly used. We're set up with Sunlight and Enhancify too. We very rarely use them, maybe one a month from either of them. But the majority of the ones we do are the PACE, the PACE program. Chris yeah. Borowski and I think um, 
used to surfing also using pace i've talked to them yeah it's big in florida do you guys keep a list of lead info to drip campaigns ongoing text emails if so what does it look like so i guess do it uh send the text messages like, and drip campaigns like automated follow-up yeah no i've i have in the past um but no i have a I call her an office manager. She's really a sales manager. So she's like the quarterback for all the salespeople. So after they get done their appointments, they call her in the office. They give her a recap on how the appointment went. They let her know when they want to follow up. And then she sets the task and like keeps everyone accountable for following up. And then as names get a little older, they go in her box in Job Nimbus. And then she starts to follow up. Um, so she just does it from the office. She's on the phone. She'll send little discount emails to old names. So it's kind of managed by a person. Uh, rather than automated. Got it. Uh, I see that one. What What do you pay your installers in-house? That's yes. what it said? Yes. Uh, they're paid like subs. So there's a foreman, and I still pay them piecework. And then they send me their numbers for the guys on what to pay each individual guy for the week. So the foreman still controls it as if he's a sub um, and basically tells me what to pay all his guys. Uh, so it's still piecework. Guys, I, I actually have a question to everyone. This is going to be the last question here. Do you learn from bad examples? And this is just me personally asking everyone, including you, Andrew, because for me, when I, like, I don't know what it is, but when you see, like, even big business, like, I love to understand why Toys R Us went out of business, what kind of decisions, stuff like that. But I'm getting so much hate. Like, even this morning, I, I did a post about, hey, we should be focused more on net profit versus like, you know, doing chasing numbers and people like, why do you start with negativity? I'm like, I don't start with negativity. I'm just saying like chasing profit is better. And I am learning when I see $200 million company going out of business. We did, we had a company uh, three years ago here in Minneapolis, $350 million company, Thor, Thor construction went out of business. They did target, they did us bank roof, you know, they did so much work and I actually was reading about them in a newspaper and the founder says, <laughs> his quote, we never were given uh, opportunities. Like, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> you work on the, the best buildings in freaking town, $350 million, like ramps and everything. Anyway, so I learned from it. Do you learn from bad examples? Do you learn... When, like for me, when I see exposure, even like right now, Sam Bankman, right? Like when I read the scam, like it helps me understand what business should be, what it's not. But I let you guys answer. Like, do you only learn or love to learn from positive, like interviews, or do you learn actually from negative stories as well? Me personally, the, just the positive stuff. Like I don't, I don't pay attention to too much of that. Uh, sure. I just like follow guys. I like what they're doing. I feel like they align with what I'm doing and I pick them and I follow them. Alex Ramosi is my favorite right now. Oh yeah. I think he is. The, I think he has the best content on the internet. Um, cause I kind of moved away from roofing specific stuff probably like two years ago. Uh, early on, that's all I did was roofing specific stuff. Eric Reno when I was just starting and then you, uh, but then for the last two years, it's just, just the guys like Alex Ramosi. I think he's the best. Oh, yeah. His he, stuff is like so so technical and practical and like it. I don't know. I just I just like him. He's a, uh, he's like modern so Socrat or like he's a thinker. He's a philosopher. He thinks about mm -hmm. everything. Like every post is on point. One hundred percent agree. 
It's gonna be a wrap. I don't like very long uh, questions. Uh, any uh, long zooms on Monday morning. I want everybody to get uh, to work. All right, guys. Great stuff, Andy. Thank you so much for being the part of it. Appreciate Thanks, you, brother. Man. Yeah, man. See ya. I'm not gonna click anything. I'll <laughs> <you> do it. <laughs>